0: Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem solving, and character are gonna matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of The Education Game. And gamers, I've got a special edition today because I've got a friend from across the pond, as they say, uh, uh, back over in the UK, what I call Far East Texas. We have Fabian Vales, uh, who's an author, who is a a parent, probably most importantly, and another kind of... uh, you know, someone who's, who shares my interest and our interest in helping parents upskill, get ready, know how to get their children ready for the future. And so Fabian, welcome to The Education Game.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Fabian also has a fantastic accent. So, you know, that that's a, that's one reason to listen to the show today, regardless. But Fabian, so you've got two books, yeah. uh, one that you co-wrote called...
1: How to grow a
0: grown up. How to grow a grown up. I love that title. Um I think my parents could have been could have, could have used that because it took me a long time to grow up. And then the <laughs> other one is about um flourishing the a, a flourishing student or the flourishing Yeah, the student. flourishing
1: students. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so and that's part of your website, part of the work that you do really yes. around how do you build a flourishing student, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um we're going to get in both of those today. But, for the parents out there, just to give you a little context about what she's bringing to the table, both of those books are books that clearly are are things that we need to be thinking about because we we're not in the business as parents of growing kids. We're actually growing adults, right? Um, and then uh, I'd like we're we're gonna touch more about what does it mean to be flourishing in uh, as a student? And so so Fabian, do me a favor. before we start, can you give me a little sense of kind of what brought you here, your, either your personal educational journey or your journey as it relates to your kids and how you got to this point?
1: Yes. So um, my accent is interesting because I'm French. Mm -hmm. Uh, I grew up in France uh, and and moved to the UK when I was 23. Um, I've been here now as long as I've I've lived in the UK, as long as I've lived in France, roughly. So that gives you an indication of my age. I'm doing the math. (laughs) If you do your math. Um, But um i guess i've always been i i've so so i came to the uk to be a french assistant in a secondary school
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: where i started my my journey into uh education and i've been in education for 20 years so i've been teaching r- really languages across all levels so okay. from from you know nursery primary all the way to Uh, currently in higher education, uh, but, you know, also what we call in in the UK, you know, further education, um, adults, uh, as well as sort of secondary school, yeah, and primary.
0: That's really important to listeners, because, you know, learning is a lifetime activity. Mm -hmm. And so she's got experience in the classroom, in the traditional classroom, early childhood, university, and then into adulthood. Okay, great. Continue on. yes
1: so um so i guess i i left higher education to set up my own business running a language school Mm -hmm. um in 2006 of five six Mm -hmm. and then i when the boys both started primary school i ended up um going back got an opportunity to go back to the university where i'm currently working Mm -hmm. um and to say that I was horrified, but what it came back to is an understatement. Why? Um why I think it. I came back exactly in the same department. So I went back to the French department where I worked prior. Yeah. Um, but the young people were so stressed and anxious and uh, you know displaying a high level of you know mental distress or or you know mental ill health for some yeah, of them. Yeah. Um, and because I'm quite a curious person I wanted to understand what was going on because really clearly what we were doing with young students in terms of with the students in terms of the learning wasn't that different in terms of, or, or that chat much more challenging than than you know almost m- 10 years prior um so I kept asking myself the question why what's going on here right
0: right so just in a span of 10 years the 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 mental status of of the students that are showing up in the university shifted so much that you could tell the difference and it caused you to be curious about like what's going on right yes so so continue his story and then we'll probably circle back to some of this
1: yes so um being French, one thing that really interested me, so I started with reading the press and just trying to understand. So in the UK, they they, they were talking back then in 2014, but they still do now, of a mental health crisis in yes. higher education. Yes. Um, and And what really, so I'm a linguist, okay, I, I've had to learn English the hard way yeah. as a second language, right? right.
0: So did um, I, by the way. <laughs> my first language was I don't know baby talk or something and then I had to anyway continue on that's yeah. not very funny continue um, on.
1: and and so what interested me is the use of the word mental health because mm-hmm. um mental health in 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 England and I think it's true in many Anglo-Saxon you know countries mm-hmm. mental health is used as meaning mental ill health but we don't say that
0: Oh, interesting. Yes, it's only used when you're talking about uh, a dysfunction. Yes. Good point. But mental
1: health, if you look at the World Health Organization definition, is the ability to cope with stress yes. and you know the normal challenges of life and to be able to uh, contribute positively to, to your community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a very positive word. And in French, in fact, mental health is the equivalent for us of physical health. So we see it as something that we all have and yes. that you can look after. So I guess that was the first thing that was really striking for me and that I wanted to explore and that I, I put in the first book in The Flourishing Students. But also I, I started interviewing students who were doing well and others who were not doing so well and had mentor. Ill health and we're doing mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And others who had no mental ill health but when you know not doing well. And doing my research, I came across Cory Keyesy's work, in he's an American professor. Okay. Um and this is where the flourishing comes from, flourishing, languishing, it's a continuum. So he uh. argued that flourishing and languishing is you know so mental health is, is a continuum it's up and down like this and it's separate from mental ill health oh, interesting um, so it's a sort of uh, i get it yeah going up and then the other yeah, way yep, like a x course. and y yep yes. x and y axis yeah mm-hmm. and so he says you can be flourishing with or without my mental ill health and you can be languishing with or without um it, mental ill health
0: um, and
1: this is what i was seeing with my students um and then from the interviews i what popped up was this model that's called the flourishing student model that basically looks like a flower um so it's it's um well basically it starts with my background is linguistics and right. intercultural competence so that's what i trained in you know sort of like helping business people um, to manage uh, cultural uh, differences and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. in business right um, but one of the things that I noticed so first of all so this is what the, the model looks like it's okay a flower.
0: so for those that uh, are in the podcast there's a flower and looks like about uh, 10 petals or so yes yes yeah. 10 petals uh, and on each petal there's a yes. an, another element there okay and this so, is coming out of your flourishing, the flourishing student book, right?
1: Yes. Okay. So this, yeah, from the flourishing student book. And this is my, the first notion, the first thing I noticed is that actually we, when young people arrive to university, we just assume that we're just going to plant them like any plant and they're just going to flourish in this new mm-hmm. environment. hmm and we if the if the plant doesn't flourish we just blame the plant we just sort right. Of say right right <laughs> you know? oh.
0: yeah that's not just university we do that k12 the child's not <laughs> doing well there's something wrong with the child clearly yeah, yeah. but go on
1: and so um so what i was always sort of start with with the roots so your roots are you know the, the 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 culture iceberg or the culture treats all those things like your roots and your beliefs and your values and your past experiences that you bring with you they determine your mindset so um a flourishing student has much more what dweck calls a growth mindset as opposed mm-hmm. to a fixed mindset um the pet the the beliefs are academic skills and life skills so I'll give you an example and we've got an examples of had of that in how to grow a grown up as well but students who um, are languishing for example will will not be able to uh, you know, Cook for themselves, make oh, their beds, you know yeah. those things. All their their um, skills, their management, time management skills, all of those things are, are are less developed than the flourishing students.
0: Executive function, I'm guessing, would be part of that too, right?
1: Yeah, 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 Interesting. yeah. um And then at the top, what I discovered is that actually, yes, mental health is very important. But what flourishing students were. Um, talking about was also uh, physical health. So, mm. you know, sleep, really good sleep, no drugs, so not really taking drugs or drinking heavily. Um, they also have had good social health, so, mm. good relationship and sense of connectedness. Um, they were good at managing their emotional health mm. um but i think for me the most interesting one because it's the one that's probably the the underdog and the the one least mentioned in, in anywhere in education is what i've labeled spiritual health interesting, um, which is um and, and it can be two two things either a real sense of uh being part of something bigger or it can be a, a, a very clear sense of I know why I'm here and what Mm. my my purpose is and my motivation
0: right interesting so that that's one of those insulating factors
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know I was talking today had a difficult conversation with uh, one of my daughters and we brought up I don't know if you are aware of the book called the purpose-driven life it was written by a pastor here in the states probably I don't know 10 15 20 years ago but it was all about purpose. And uh, when you have purpose, when you know why you're here, you can handle any Mm -hmm. setback. And so your point, right? Um, And so part of, I'm guessing what this book is going is part of is helping a a young learner realize that they're here for more than just uh, earning a salary uh, or making themselves happy in the moment. Is that Kind of Yeah,
1: yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. Or you know, wanting wanting a bit of paper that says I've got a degree or you know, I've got a right. first or whatever.
0: Or, or, or I have an A in this class yeah. or 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 I'm the class rank, I'm the top student. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so so let me take a step back, Fabian, because um a lot when you know, I was thankfully I was really appreciated being on your show, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later too, your podcast. But um the number of students who have placed uh, and parents for that matter who have placed a college degree or a career or grades over the character of the child is staggering there's it, it's it, you know when i ask a parent what is what is it you really hope for for your child 9 times out of 10 they say i want my child to get a college degree or i want them to have a good job and i'm like well wait a second there's isn't there more isn't isn't like shouldn't there be another answer to that question sometimes they'll say happy Right, but then I, I I prod a little further. Happiness means getting a got, good job and and getting you know a college degree. And so what you're talking about is this question of flourishing, which is a it's a it's a word that I actually rarely use. But that's that's the that's a better description of what a parent is actually wanting from their child. Are there ways to describe or measure what flourishing actually looks
1: like? Yes. So there are. Um, Corey keys as measures to 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 you to do that, and in the research that I've done with students, I've actually um, used his sort of score system. It's flourishing, okay. you know, yeah. flourishing yeah. languishing. But you can also use what there's a scale that's called the the Warwick Ed, Edinburgh uh, Wellbeing Scale. Scale. It's called WemWeb. Um I mean, if you want me to send you that, that there's a very short. Um, sort of scale and that is, is a good indication as to whether the student is doing well or not and is this flourishing or languishing.
0: Great and is that a path is it possible that that is something that a parent could you know essentially a survey they could give to their children yeah. to get a sense yeah, of yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, okay yeah. and it's, that's called it's a it's a scale that's normally used for research purposes so it's validated in terms of of research right right. um but there are i mean in 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 the book otherwise if if it's for parents what i've done with the parents and the the teachers is that actually um gave a bit of a list of sort of like questions um where you can ask so in, in terms of uh physical activities you know there's questions and they scale from one to ten where they just Mm -hmm. sort of say you know i have a high level of physical energy when i wake up i feel rested and ready for a new day you know i like to exercise my eating and drinking habits are healthy and then you've got mental activities so easy to concentrate focus on your work and then emotional and social activities and then spiritual activities so that you can sort of you know, parents yeah. can literally score that and, or the young person can and so sort of they, they can sort of have an indication as to where they're, they're at.
0: Got it. So parents that are listening, what Fabian is talking about is when a parent starts to step forward and take more ownership of their child's development, this is the kind of information they need to know. They need to get us, they need to be constantly assessing, not just what they see in their child, but what the child sees in their, in themselves. And so this sounds like a terrific tool. And they can get this tool in your book, but you can mm-hmm. also give me a link to um and I'll put the link in the description description yeah. about to places scout, to find this. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And to to Corey Keyes' work if people want are interested in his work is he um he kindly I interviewed him for my podcast and he kindly um allowed me to use his words for my first book. So he's oh, a very generous. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah,
0: that's great. Well, and this work, I mean, that you're into, this is, this is important stuff. Like, so someone asked me if they could steal one of the things I taught on one of another show. And I'm like, no, this is like, this is a movement. We're trying to get parents to understand how to, how to do this work. So, so it's not stealing when, when it's a mission. Yeah. Uh, So thanks for that. But, but for the parents out there, again, the book is called The Flourishing Student. And it sounds like there's gonna be a lot more for parents. It's written for parents.
1: It's writ well. It's written and in initially for teachers for people. For teachers. Okay. In that, yeah. But but parents, if parents read it, they will. I've got loads of of uh, of friends who are um, teachers and parents and who said I actually yes. got so much out of that. So initially, my um, the reason I wrote the Flourishing Students was my response to what the hell is going on here.
0: Gotcha.
1: I'm trying to make sense of that and sharing with others. Excellent. Um, but, but yes, I think, I think parents would get something. out of Well,
0: well I've, again, I, I do talk to parents and I do oftentimes say that you're moving into that role of, of educator and frankly, parents have moved away over the last 50 years and now they're kind of going back to where they were historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes. So materials that are helpful for a, 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 you know, traditional teacher will oftentimes translate over to the parent very well. Okay. So that was, that was your first book. Yes. Okay, so tell me now a little bit more about How to Grow a Grown-Up.
1: So How to Grow a Grown-Up came about because Dominique, uh, who is my co-author, is a GP and she's got a special interest in mental health, Um, and we both agreed that um, she's written books for students. I obviously wrote the book for teachers, but we just felt that there was one missing for parents. Mm-hmm. um if I'm completely honest I think both of us really wrote it for ourselves first <laughs> because right. we've um uh she well I've got uh, a 13 year old and an 11 year old she's got an 11 year old and loads of steps of so older step uh, daughters and, and sons yeah um and I think we we wanted to write the book because um we felt that parents possibly didn't understand their their young people Mm. and the fact that uh, a lot of the comments we hear from parents in the uk's you know but in my days and you know when i was a child yes um and what we wanted to do is is debunk the snowflake sort of um myth you know, young people are not snowflakes. <laughs> right. um, they have to, to really live in, in a, in a culture and an environment that is so different from our environment. Than the environment. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's so different. It's really hard to fathom how much has changed in the, just in the last 15, 20 years. Fabian, hold on one second. Let's take a quick break uh, here with the education game. We are back with the education game, again, introducing Fabian Vales, our friend from across the pond, uh, author of How to Grow a Grown-Up and the Flourishing Student, um, a, a person who I've come to really appreciate her perspectives uh, on how to help parents upskill to make sure their children are ready to go. And so Fabian was just at the conclusion of our last segment. She was just uh, concluding her, or just beginning a conversation about her her second book, which is how to grow to grow a grown up, and uh, so continue on, Fabian, about what that book is about, and and uh, you know, uh, yeah, give me give me what you know.
1: So really, the M is, is is it's called how to grow a grown up, and then prepare your teen for the real world is the mm. um, the underneath. So um, aimed and the
0: way- aimed at aimed at parents of teens specifically.
1: Or aims at uh, parents of 11 to 25 year olds because obviously um we now know that a uh, your, your brain is not at you know but it doesn't fully develop until you're 25 <laughs> i've
0: got i've got uh, 18 a 16 and a 15 year old in the house and i can promise you their brain doesn't work very well <laughs> I'm kidding. (laughs) And
1: it's it's fair. It's just the fact that it's not fully developed. I know.
0: And I'm teasing, but but yes, I'm teasing a little bit. My kids are great, but continue on. So that's a really interesting age group because most of the calls that I get are from parents of kids in that age group who feel like they have just lost uh, contact with their kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't understand them. There's a huge disconnect. I've certainly had my own struggles with, with my own kids in this in this age group. So, so that's what this book is about. huh?
1: So the message to those parents is, it's completely normal that you lose Mm -hmm. touch with your child. um, For many reasons. The first one is um, I, I like because I'm I'm into sort of intercultural competence. I like to see my sons as uh they're they're from a foreign country they Mm -hmm. they're different they're evolving in a different culture their culture the culture they're growing up in is all about competition it's all about you know you've got to compete on tv in the uk you can't you can't do anything without it being a competition you can't bake a cake you can't ice skate you can't dance Dance, right
0: sing everything
1: You can't, you can't find love without going on a special island. I mean, you know, that those messages are very, you know, subconsciously, it's really hard for young people. Um, The language we use, even currently in the UK, that's something that I'm really pushing against. The language of, you know, um, lost generation, and you know, because of COVID, and uh, you know, they need to catch up. All of those words that we are using, they soak up. Our children do not grow up in a vacuum; right. they grow up in the culture, in their society, in the culture at home. And so, I think there's that because the problem with that competitiveness is that it really breeds, um, you know, perfectionism, fear of failure. Hmm. Uh, you know, imposter syndrome is is really massive. Um, and so and and all of those are obviously compounded with with technology because they have social media that is heightening all those things and sort of only showing the highlight reels of everybody. So right. um, it's it, 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 I mean, it's really when you look into it, you just think, I'm not sure I would want to be a teenager, quite frankly. yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really hard. So you brought up a couple. And again, parents, I, I know you're hearing this, but I just want to refine and highlight what what she just said, because I don't want it to skip by anybody. But this idea that in our culture now more than ever, that everything is a competition, that, that really hit me that that you can't dance on on television, right? You can't dance, you can't sing, you can't find love, you can't bake, you can't perform without being a competition. And then you layer in the social media side of this, mm-hmm. where it is constant, you know, I'm on vacation, here's, here's me, you know, one of my, one of my daughters was talking about how all of her friends were sharing images of them in bathing suits, their girlfriends, you know, sharing these images. And, you know, my daughter's looking at her body going, well, you know, I don't look like that person, right? It, it is, it just, you're right, it breeds perfectionism.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it breeds competition, it breeds, so, and then there's all sorts of tons of documentation about this. So does your book, Give us give parents a defense into this, or h- how do you help parents uh, with this problem?
1: We just give them insights into what's going on for them, so what their culture is, and then what I they see. with tips with practical tips on what they can do. I see. Um, and the you know you were saying about parent a lot of parents feeling that they are. They're not connecting to their young people. Mm-hmm. We've got to understand that you know the 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 brain, the, the teenage brain, goes through such massive transformation. In fact, it's the the second time they go through such massive transformations. You know, the, the time they did that is when they were from babies to toddlers. That's when the brain drastically changes. Yeah. Um. So you know, during the teenage years, their brain is 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 changing um they're pruning so they're losing a lot of the synapses Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so it's very much use it you know lose it Yeah, Um, yeah but also you have to remember that in when we were tribes young people um where would leave the tribe much earlier than than we did so um, they they are naturally going wanting to find their own tribe so they will separate from you yeah um so i often joke and use the picture of my son with his hoodie so Mm -hmm. when they sort of walking behind you Uh, looking really miserable like they don't want to be with you You just tell yourself it's it's great because they're just preparing themselves to fly off the nest and find their own tribes and you will find them again later on so it's just it's just having that compassion and understanding what's going on for them
0: okay so so again speaking from a of a dad with uh with three teenagers in the house it's I hear that I hear this idea that, you know, they will come back, but mm-hmm. it's really, it's really not only scary, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's worrisome because, you know, this is kind of our last chance to shape them before they do fly, fly the roost. Um, and so you're, but you're saying that I shouldn't be anxious about this time.
1: No, no. and actually, um, the more you try and force them to remain your child and you know that they're, they're not a baby anymore they yeah. need independence and actually it's healthy for them to look at you and think oh my god is embarrassing <laughs> and who is this person because but literally if they didn't they wouldn't fly the nest Good point they wouldn't leave so every time my son rolls his eyes at me i just go Great because he's preparing to fly the mess. Because, quite frankly, I don't want
0: him in my house. <laughs> no, that's right, that's the other fear that most parents uh communicate. But, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> in this moment, that's that's really interesting because one of the things that I've read about, um, and I've been, we all know this from just basic history is by the time that most kids throughout forever uh hit 13 14 years old they were in their tribe they were considered Mm -hmm. an adult and they had all the privileges you know bar mitzvah bar mitzvah that's that's a that's a rites of passage in every culture and by 13 or 14 they were an adult in their tribe united states england most of most of you know developed nation you're not technically an adult until 18. Mm -hmm. but then you're not treated like an adult until somewhere around 25. Yeah. so so is part of this that we need to be giving our kids more autonomy that we need to we need to give them more more ability more freedom or, or how is that part of the, the solution yeah.
1: so part of the the issue also is that we as 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 parents have, I think it's, it's what you were saying. A lot of parents want their kids to be happy. And Mm. so, because we want them to be happy, to be fair to, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent. So we don't like to see our children suffer and we don't like, if we know that we see them going towards something that we've experienced ourselves, our, our feeling is that I'm going to clear the obstacles in front of you to make your life easy. Yes. Um, but one of the thing I always say to people is, you know, think in terms of like physical health again, your your child develop um, immunity through encountering uh, germs and, you know, in their childhood. And no parents really likes to see their children being poorly and unwell, but yet, yes. you know, we know that it's helping them develop the, the, the immunity they need. Yes. If we lock our kids in our home, protect them and prevent them from, you know, experiences, challenges in life. And then you open the door age 18 and say, off you go darling, then right. they don't stand a chance. Like they wouldn't stand a chance if you lock them in a, in a completely germ-free place and open right. the door age 18.
0: That's right. That's right. So,
1: so this is why it's really important to allow our children to, you know, like they do when they're little, fall, fall, mm-hmm. you know, it's hurt their knees. And right. then, right. And then yeah, yes, it's not fun, but, you know, that's how you learn, right? That's right.
0: That's how you learn. So, you know, that we have actually a running joke in our house about uh, whenever we hear about, a, you know, a kid or an adult who does something kind of stupid and they end up getting injured, the running joke is well that's how you learn right so um, but having said this now I wanna get really kind of in the in the um, in the weeds here with you a little bit yes. so if you have a child who is 14 15 16 years old um, the traditional school doesn't treat them like an adult at all right the traditional school says you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom,
1: yeah.
0: right? And here are the classes you must take. Uh, and by the way, we're going to judge you on how you do in these courses. So what what is a parent to do if they're trying to make their help their child become more autonomous, more of a decision maker, but they're running into a system where where the school actually has a very different uh, intention around that? Well,
1: that's a very, that's a difficulty, isn't it? It's yeah. Sort of- it's understanding that i mean i think it depends on where you you're at so i think this is why a lot more and more people are taking their children out of the of the mainstream system because and i think with we've with and you know with parents looking at what's happened you know looking into what they are doing yeah. on a daily basis because you're we were homeschooling our children right right um, so now we
0: saw what was yes. happening and weren't yes, so excited I about it think,
1: Um, So I think I think it's very um, I'm not someone who likes the one size fits all and magic ones. And, you know, I've got the answer for everybody because we're all different. And one thing might work for you and one of your daughters, but not for the other. Um, So it's very much for each parent to know for themselves what works for them. Right. I think our role as parents. So our children spend a third of their time in schools, two thirds of their time with us. And actually, even if the system they are in is less than ideal and that if if we can't change it because we're working and we want them to be going to mainstream education, we as parents can do things. And one of those is, please, please don't remove all the obstacles away from your children. Empower Mm. them to make decisions and to I always say to my to my boys action consequence yes make yes. sure that the action you take you'll be happy with the consequence because i I won't be living with that consequence you will right and um, right. and i'll I'll give you an example that you know illustrates this very it, it wasn't easy to to do but I did it so uh, when when the boys were um little, uh, they used to go to French school. There's a French school up in in Bristol where I live, mm-hmm. um, and so they had the one day release from uh, primary school where they would go, um, and uh, my eldest was going there. So he packed, and we need we need to pack lunch because they didn't have a kitchen. So I would make the, the pack lunch, and you would have to go and get it from the uh, from the fridge and put it in his bag. That was the deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So we we get in the car. That evening, he was going to his best friend's house for a sleepover. So he packed his bag, remembered to pack the Nintendo, the charger. So he obviously figured out that the charger, the Nintendo, would run out of charge. I know
0: where this is going, yes.
1: We got in the car (laughs) on the motorway, and he just turns around and goes, Oh, I have forgotten my lunchbox. (laughs) And at that point, he says, you've got to turn around and get me my lunchbox. Uh Aha. And I just went, no, sorry, darling, I will yep. not be turning around to get you your lunchbox.
0: Yeah, yep, yep.
1: Like, but you can't do that. Yeah, you know, what am I going to eat and stuff? And I was like, right, OK, you've obviously clearly what I see is in your bag. You have your Nintendo, your charger. So that yes. shows me that you've got clear thinking ahead. Yeah, yep. so suggest to me you've got your priorities slightly wrong. Yes, it's fine, right? It's fine we need to find a solution because I am not turning around to get you your lunchbox. I said, as a mother, every ounce of me wants to turn this car around and get your lunchbox. But if I do that, I will not be teaching you a very valuable lesson. Bingo. Which is that you will think that mommy will turn around the car every time. And mommy is not going to be there all the time for you. That's right. And so we threw out, we sort of like worked, okay, what are you going to do? So he then said, All right, I've got to go and talk to the teacher. Yes. Can you do that for me? No, your lunchbox, I've got mine. So you go and talk to her. I'll be there. I'll support you. And in the end, he had, his friends share their lunch with him. So he had with his friends. He didn't miss out. And has he ever forgotten his lunch, lunchbox ever again? Bingo. No.
0: <laughs> so so this I love the title how to grow a grown up right so you at that moment you said to yourself um who am I growing here what's my ultimate aim mm-hmm. if my ultimate aim is to make sure that my son is responsible that's kind of how, one of the ways of defining a grown up responsible for their own life right mm-hmm. that I've got to make I've got to take this moment to make it a teachable moment, I remember that reminds me of some things, that, similar things, maybe a little bit more draconian that we would do. Um, you know, our kids to get to, um, you know, one of their practices or one of their activities. I said, okay, we're going to leave at eight o'clock, right? Um, and at eight o'clock, if you're not in the car, I'm leaving, right? Because we need to be there at eight o'clock. Handle yourself. You you can decide how you want to operate your morning, but we'll see you in the car at eight o'clock. And it only took one time of driving away as she was what, coming out of the back door for her to go, okay, dad is serious. I now have to manage, she has to manage mm-hmm. herself, mm-hmm. get up on time, pack her bag, et cetera, be waiting at the door at, at, at 7.55 <laughs> in case my watch is off, right? So that's the kind of training mm-hmm. that we as parents have to make. And it is hard, right? Like you said,
1: yeah 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 was it easy for me absolutely not every inch of me wanted to turn around and give sure. him his lunchbox sure. you know what you've got a this is where you have to think in terms of um short term or long term am i in this for the short term game or the long term game right. because the short term game is uh, well easy turn the car round him his lunchbox he's happy I'm happy everything's sorted but that is also teaching him that he can depend on me and the sad thing is you know I hope not but I don't know what tomorrow is going to be made of and what if tomorrow I'm not here right my role as a parent is to teach him like you said to be this independent you know young man who can handle things without you know depending on me and i think the difficulty with parents is that we tend to feel that we need to be like needed we want our children to need us and one of my favorite quotes that we put at the beginning of the book is uh from the prophet um kelly gibral's uh you know uh, quote from the prophet that says your child is not your child uh, is the is the it belongs to life and you literally sling him forth um mm. you know you, you're you're the bow and and the arrow and you sling him forth or or her forth um into life mm. and so I always remember that because my role is not to be like this needed mother um but to you you know, sometimes, and, and sometimes it's challenging. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is. You know, I wonder how much of this, too, is um, that sometimes we as parents, we need somebody I call them assistant coaches. Right. Everything. But like our work is all around language of game. And mm-hmm. and sometimes if you have an assistant coach, another parent that says, hey, you need to you need to help him or her learn the lesson. Right. Sometimes I just need a, I need a little push, a little support from somebody else because it's really uh, it's um, it's hard to know what the, the right way to go is sometimes. And so hopefully some of the parents who are listening to you will come away going, OK, that's right. I can actually make those hard calls mm-hmm. and that those hard calls are actually uh, long term in the very best interest of my child. Right. Yes. Well, so give um, me. We're going to take another quick break. We'll come back and we'll do the last segment in a moment. This is Matt Barnes with the Education Game, having a fantastic conversation with Fabian Vales. Be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Education Game. Um, I'm here with uh, my friend from across the pond, Fabian Vales, uh, talking now about her second book called "How to Grow a Grown Up" and having some really good conversations about the the challenges the uh, the conflict that comes from a parent that's looking long term not just at the moment long term making sure that we're take, creating kids who are producers who are responsible who are adults right so yeah. so um i've got a question for you fabian um uh and and let's just say that someone i know is dealing with this situation right now someone that i'm very close to someone named matt <laughs> uh who, who I won't give the last name of this person but he's a great friend of mine great guy handsome strong <laughs> etc so this guy named Matt um he's struggling with uh how much how much um freedom should he give with to one of his child children to do uh what they want but uh, the things that the child wants cost money they cost time, they cost uh, access to the vehicle, right? There's a lot of other things that are associated with the wants that, that this child has. What would you advise that parent in terms of how to, because what we're talking about is negotiation, right? We're talking yeah. about, right? So so should should that parent just give, be free to give that child whatever they want and then they'll allow them to pursue their hopes and dreams without any sort of um, uh, cost associated with it?
1: no i don't think so i don't think we should simply give i mean so so this is a really difficult difficult question in the sense that um you know the, the question you're asking is it sets the scene that you already have the, the ability to give your child the things that they want mm. some people don't have the vehicle or the money to give them very that.
0: good point very good point
1: um so I think it starts with that. It starts with the, where, where are we as, as a, as a family and what are our values? I think it's sort of really important to, to start with that. Mm. Um, the, I, I think I would want to understand what it is the child wants from those particular things, um, you know, like we said our children are not educated in a vacuum they are the product of the culture they live in and mm. our culture and you know you were saying earlier on the thing with our society is our society says um, to be happy you and successful you need to hop on the hamster wheel and you need to get the qualifications and you know, get the then the job then buy the the house and right. then all the flat and then the the car and all of those things
0: and then you'll be happy
1: then you'll be happy <laughs> right. and right. so i think as a parent i would start with that is like what do you think those things are going to get you mm. um and and try and understand what it is they're trying to achieve um without saying, before saying yes or no, I
0: guess. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's good advice. I will share that with my friend. Um, <laughs> he's a very close friend. Uh, but I'll also share that, um, you know, part of what I have come to appreciate from others like yourself, people coaching me, is that as your children get into that kind of 10 to 12, 13-year-old space, you're beginning to negotiate much, much more with the child. And, and, you know, as the children are moving into the 15, 16-year-old space, you're now playing much more of the role of a coach mm-hmm. than a quote-unquote parent. The challenge I have, or I'm sorry, the person named Matt, who what last name will remain non, uh, anonymous, um, is uh, around how many choices that our kids actually have, right? Mm-hmm. So I was reading a book um, the other day that talked about how the dominant, difference between growing up today and growing up in any other time in history is that now we have so many options, mm-hmm. right? Options of how we use our time, how we use our money, uh, options of who we connect with, who we are friends with, right? All that was decided at birth just a hundred, I mean, 50 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So so that challenge of how, have, how many options we have is actually a dramatic difference for our kids and for families like ours who are able to give our kids lots of uh, of of choices, it changes the, like, I can't say to the child, I'm sorry, we can't. We can't afford mm-hmm. it. We don't have the time. We don't have a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I won't. And yeah. that's a very difficult, a much, a much more different answer when a child is asking for something. I won't give it. Now you have to explain why you have to yeah have a rationale for it and a value system that supports it. So it's an interesting change. So
1: I think, I think it's really, it's really important to also for our children to hear or know from time to time. Yes. Because, because life will not go your way always either. No. Um, And in fact, in, you know, the re part of the reason I, I wrote the flourishing student is that some of the students I saw, um, had never experienced any challenges had never experienced a no everything was you know they were privately educated in the best schools in the country um they had you know people taking them i had a student say you know in in how to grow a grown-up we use that example we have a student who sort of said she arrived at university she'd never got on the public on public transport wow didn't understand how to navigate a city read a map um
0: yeah cook a meal uh write a check balance a budget yes, i mean it, yes, yes all these things so,
1: and so that no can can also be good in a sense to understand that Unfortunately, yeah. I, I mean, I think life would be boring if it just always went our way. Yeah, um, well, you know, life is a roller coaster, so yeah. I don't know. I
0: I think I could get used to life always going my way. I'm just <laughs> I could maybe for a season I'd like that. But okay, Fabian, uh, I'm gonna need to start close this down. This has been a great conversation. I wanna you're reminding me of something that another friend, another parent. Coached me on, and it turned out to be just genius and exactly what you're describing. So, um, uh, back in December, I said to my kids, "Hey, I'd like to go on vacation sometime this year." um, But I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. We'll pay for it if you organize it. And they were like, "Well, I don't want to organize. I don't know how to organize it." I'm like, "Well, that'll be the agreement. You guys, if you want to go someplace." You, you, you figure it out, we'll have to talk because make sure we're not, you know, flying to Australia or something crazy. Um, and, and what happened was first they said they didn't want to do it because of the effort. I said, and I said, no problem, we just won't go on vacation. Then they came back and said, okay, we'll do it. And then we had this month-long process of them learning how to book a hotel, how to, uh, you know, uh, reserve other equipment that we needed for the trip. Uh, I mean, everything, right? Mm -hmm. they the whole time they're like I don't know how to do that I'm like that's the point right and now they understand the process the logistics the budget we had to come up with a budget right turned out to be a great vacation but now they have learned a skill set that had I just done what I normally do which is just okay we're gonna go on vacation kids grab your stuff I Mm -hmm. figure I've got all the plans set up for you I I would have actually uh, enabled them or Uh, allow them to miss out on an opportunity to learn. So so that's the first point. So thank you for kind of, and for the other families who've poured into me like you're doing to help me understand how to do this parent thing a little differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last thing though, I wanted to get more information about your website, your podcast, where we can find your books. So let's go through that. Let's start with your books. Your books are on Amazon? The
1: the books, yeah, all on Amazon.
0: Okay. And again, they are um, The Flourishing Student and growing a grown-up and again the flourishing student has information in there around how do you assess a child on this on this continuum from flourishing to languishing and then mental health to mental ill health and that's a really it could be a really important tool for families okay uh that's in the flourishing student and growing a grown-up was the conversation we just concluded uh, around the hard choices that parents need to make okay both of those are found on amazon yeah. Tell me about your website and your uh, podcast.
1: So the website is flourishing education. Um, Cuz I've 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 been researching um not just the flourishing of uh, students but also of staff because it needs to be a systemic approach Mm. and everybody you know for me uh, education is a system um, and it involves the well-being of all of its participants and that includes parents so we haven't talked about that but actually we know that stress is communicative so if you're stressed then you are likely to get your child stressed because they'll pick up on your stress and same with teachers and that prevents us stress shuts down our prefrontal cortex which enables us to retain information and think critically Mm. so um the reason i've created flourishing education is because i really want to start so from september 2021 i'm having a one-year career break Um, and i really want to take my research into education but work with parents to create a movement of change because i think that's where the change will happen if we want to change in education it will have to be through parents amen Um, yes so that's the the website and the website is uh .uk. Um, uk. Okay. and there's a podcast that is also called flourishing education you were a guest on it and we'll release the podcast very soon in the next couple of weeks yeah. um and people can find me uh, i'm on twitter so my handle is uh at flourishing hei um on linkedin um and the fabian veils and um and, the, and if people want, I've also created a sort of like private uh, Facebook group, so people can search for flourishing education. Great. Uh, and that, and on that on Facebook, you should find that.
0: Great. Fabian, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the coaching that you gave to my good friend Matt and and struggles he's having with some of his kids. Uh, But I hope this was really helpful for parents listening. This is how we upskill. We talk to parents. We talk to experts like Fabian. And this is a global dynamic, y'all. This is not just something you're struggling with in your local community. This is across the globe. And Fabian is an example of that. So thank you for joining the education game today, Fabian. And I look forward to one day getting to the UK. You've got a cold beer waiting for me, right? Uh, yes,
1: absolutely. And <laughs> I can't wait. I really, really mean that. Though. Good. Well, I
0: hope I hope it's more than just one. Because if I'm traveling to to the UK. All right, I, I... We, 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 we'll do a whole, you know, come over for a
1: weekend or something. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll do that.
0: Great. Fabian Vales, thank you so much. Take care, okay? Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening parents. I hope that this was useful, that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in the education game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was list- it was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey. Uh, go to our website at theeducationgame.com/contact click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters. So thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Education Game Podcast. Take care.